Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, the passage that I've been reading from uh, during this series and base it off of is 1 Timothy chapter 4. And and I just want to highlight in verse 8, and and it says, For the training of the body has limited benefit. Many of you who've made New Year's resolutions, you've figured that out. And um, you've quit your New Year's resolutions that had something to do with physical. Um, But the Bible goes beyond that. And now understand, there is benefit. But it's limited. And it's not limited because it's just um, going to work this month. It's limited. Why? Because godliness is beneficial in every way. Why is godliness beneficial in every way? Because it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You know, the headlines today, uh, this past week, have been uh, covered with Kobe Bryant and how that he and six other people, one being his 13-year-old daughter, were in a helicopter crash in California and lost their lives. They left this present world and they entered into eternity. Well, you may not have heard it. It may not have been on all of the headlines. But uh, what you, we also we lost a very dear saint to our church. Her name was Miss Orpha Bruce. I had the privilege to deliver her eulogy on Wednesday. She lived to be 104 years old. She spent 70 of those years serving in Temple Baptist Church. Today, she's walking with her Savior. Today, there is no pain. Earlier this week, there was another helicopter that crashed over in Iraq, and it had 30 Marines and one sailor on it. And the reality is that every week, life happens. Death happens. Matter of fact, um, the statistic is that across the world, 150,000 people die Every day. And what most of us probably want to know is, is there more to this life? And the simple reality is that, yes, there is more to this life. And so I want to share a story with you uh, from the Bible. And I want to kind of, uh, as I share that story, kind of share your story as well. And reveal a little bit about my story. And so I want to talk to you about the nation of Israel. In the nation of Israel, they were a, a group of people who were, they found themselves in bondage. And they were in bondage and in um, oppression for 400 years. And so what happens is that uh, while they're here in slavery in Egypt, there has got to have come a point where they all ask the question, is there something more to our lives? Or are all we supposed to do is to make bricks for the Egyptians? Because I'm confident that their fathers and their grandfathers told them about Abraham. And how that God had promised him something incredible. But yet, you know what? Here they were, 400 years after the story had been given to Abraham. And here they are making bricks in Egypt. Being persecuted by the Egyptians. Having their children destroyed. And they had to be asking the question, is there something more? 
Well, the Bible gives us all the answer to that question, and it's found in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11. And the words say this, He has put eternity into man's heart. Every one of us here today, Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, Miss Orpha Bruce, those 30 Marines, that sailor, those 150,000 people that die every day, God has put eternity into their hearts. He's put eternity into your heart, and he's put eternity into my heart. The reality is this, that one day all of us will take our last breath. And when we do, we will leave this life and we will enter into eternity. And so what I want to challenge us all today is to look at our life, to live our life with an eternal perspective. A group of people were asking, and and this is a, a, a large data set population, and they were asked, if you could ask God one question, what would that one question be? And as they looked at all the different responses, they could boil it down to one question. What am I here for? Why? Why do we ask that question, what am I here for? Because we know that we're here for something more than what we experience on a daily basis. We know that there is a bigger calling on our lives. Why? Because God has put eternity into our hearts. Well, just like the Israelites in Egypt, life happens. And when life happens, we get more focused on making bricks than living out God's plan in our life. And sometimes what we forget to realize is that maybe part of God's plan for our life is that we make the bricks. And so what happens is in 2020, we get uh, focused on making money, making more money, being able to write checks with another zero on it at church. We get focused on going to school and getting an associate degree, then getting a bachelor's degree, then getting a master's degree, then getting a doctorate. We get focused on our family, raising our families. And those of you who have young children, you know what I mean. Everything else in life stops as those children, they absorb and they take your entire focus. Maybe I didn't mention what it is that's in your life that has got your attention. But there's something. And as we look back at the children of Israel... While they were seeking and wondering, what is it? What is it that you have, God, for me? God reached down and he called a young man. And the young man's name was Moses. And at the time that Moses was born, the Egyptian pharaoh was, had told the children of Israel that they had to take their, their, every one of their young male sons and throw them into the Nile River. Now, I don't know if you know what's in the Nile River, but there's a, an animal called a crocodile. And they would throw these children in many times at spear point by the Pharaoh army, the Egyptian army. And they would watch their young sons be devoured by the crocodiles. But there's this one mom, and she said, I can't do it. And and she had a young son, and she took him and she put him in this little boat. And she had her daughter push it out into the river. And so she kind of did what they said in that she put him into the Nile River. And then she told her, her young daughter, follow along and let's make sure that he ends up somewhere safe. She had no idea where he was going to end up, but she, she was just trusting. She was wondering, could God possibly save his life? I don't know if you know anyone who's had a close encounter with death, but I believe that Moses, right then and there, had a close encounter with death. 
If you know the story, the Pharaoh's very daughter sees it, probably hears the baby crying, sends someone out to get it, and then she takes this child to become her own son. And because uh, Moses' sister was close by, and uh, she said, hey, I could find someone that, that is uh, at a time where they can nurse, and, and they could take care of this young baby. And so Moses was given back to his mom to raise. And I would imagine that as his mom raised him, that she told him every day, you know what, God has something special for you. I put you into the river, I... And the Pharaoh's daughter selected you and chose you. God has something special in your life, Moses. And then Moses grew up to be a young man. He grew up in the household of Pharaoh. He learned to, everything about world economy. And just as God called Moses, every one of us in this room today have a calling out of our life. 2 Timothy 1.9 says it this way, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. If you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you have a holy calling on your life. And the reality about this calling is that it is a definite calling. It's not some ambiguous thing that God wants you to do. It's not something um, broad and vague. God has a, and he's put this into your heart. And he's put this into my heart. But the problem is many people, what happens is we take that calling that God, that gifting that God has put on our lives, and then we, we have the illusion of success by using it, and we miss out on the fulfillment that God has promised us. I think of Elvis Presley, one of the most gifted oratory musicians that have come along in a in hundred years. And he used that voice not to live out God's plan, but to live out his plan. And you could see if you follow the life of Elvis where he, he was drawn to the church, but then he was drawn away from the church. Think about Michael Jackson, one of the most gifted, talented entertainers and musicians. Even as a young teenager, he was blessed. Think of Whitney Houston. One of the most beautiful voices. One of the most powerful voices. Raised in the church, singing in the choir. And ultimately took that gift, that calling on our life, and took it somewhere else for success. And think about all three of those. Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. Every one of them, their lives were ended shortly. Every one of them went down a road that wasn't fulfilling. They, they were three of the most successful people those of us in this room today have ever heard about. Yet they were not fulfilled. My friends, every one of us in here have a definite calling on our life. And if you only use it to achieve success and not God's plan, no matter what level of success that you achieve, you will find yourself empty. You will find yourself at the end of the day wanting more. And so you try harder and want more. And then you start bringing things into your life that aren't healthy. And then one day, you feel helpless. And you feel that there's no hope. And instead of living out God's plan for your life, you listen to the enemy and you take your own life. 
If you think about the children of Israel, here they are in bondage for 400 years. And, and God called Moses with a very distinct calling. And Moses did what all of us do. He made excuses. If you read through the, the, the story about Moses and he encountered God in the wilderness in a burning bush. And when God says, I'm going to use you to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt, do you think he remembered some of the stories that his mom told him as he was growing? You better believe he did. Matter of fact, if you look at his life, when he was about 40 years of age, he tried to live out God's calling on his life in his own power. And he went and he checked out the the children of Israel and he saw an Egyptian um, beating on one of the children of Israel and he killed the Egyptian. And then thinking that, well, now that my people are going to accept me, he's back in there visiting. And he sees two Israelites fighting with each other. He says, hey, guys, you stop this. We're more than this. We're better than this. And they go, what, you're going to kill us too? And he knew the word was out. And so he did what a lot of us did. He ran for his life. And so here he is now, 40 years later. He sees this bush burning, and he goes over there, and then God starts speaking to him. And God tells him, this is the calling on your life. You are going to deliver my people from the land of Egypt. And then Moses said, God, you don't understand. I'm not eloquent of speech. I've just spent the last 40 years herding sheep. I haven't talked to very many people. There's no way that I can go before the king and speak. And then God said, that's okay. I'll send your brother with you. And he says, but no, God, you don't understand. I'm just a shepherd. I'm not the man that you, you called 40 years ago. And God said this to Moses. He said, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. And at that point, it turned into a snake and Moses ran. And then when God got his attention, he came back and he grabbed the, the, the snake by the tail. It became a staff again. And God wanted to show him. You know, he probably could lose that staff. He, he, he may lose that one day when he's traveling. He goes, I, I'm going to give him something even better, something that he'll never lose. And he says, take your hand and put it inside your cloak. And when he pulled it out, it had turned into a leprous hand. And God said, put your hand back in. And he pulled it back out, and it was like a baby skin. Moses is 80 years old when he's having this encounter in the wilderness with God. Moses has given up on the calling that God had when he was a young boy that his mom spoke into his ears, into his heart. And I'm here to tell you, if you read in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says this, that for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gift and calling on your life, and I believe this, that God calls us at a very early age. I think that most of us have that calling and we recognize it when we're in our teenage years. And then life happens. And then we convince ourselves that, you know what, there's no way I can do that. I, I can't. There's no way, God. You're not going to use me. Don't you know what I did for those 10 years? So what I want to do is I want to share a video with you of a young man who who tried to be something that he wasn't. He, he, had, he was just a young, poor person, and his dad had given him over to a knight to be his armor bearer. And for 20 years, he served this knight, and then one day, the knight was dead. And he was wondering, how am I going to feed myself? 
And him and his partner hatched a plan. And so he put on the knight's gear and he started acting like the knight. And they started winning money and they started feeding themselves. And, they, and, and, and so they finally, one day they're in the kingdom and he's competing for the highest level. And they find out who he is. And now he finds himself in stocks and bonds. And here are his friends standing beside him, supporting him and, and trying to defend him while the crowd is jeering, ridiculing, yelling at him. I want you to watch this. Listen to me! Trying to hide who we are, both unable to do so. Your men love you. If I knew nothing else about you, that would be enough. But you also tilt when you should withdraw. And that is nightly too. Release him. You may appear to be of humble origins, but my personal historians have discovered that he is descendant from an ancient royal line. This is my word. And as such is beyond contestation. Now, if I may repay the kindness you once showed me, take a knee. in me by my father, King Edward, and by all the witnesses here, I dub thee Sir William. And just as Young Sir William experienced the son of the king coming to him and, and letting him know that his word was beyond contestation. The Bible tells us that our calling is an irrevocable calling. Your calling by God is beyond contestation. You may feel like you're just like him and you're stuck in those stocks. And your family is ridiculing you. And your friends are ridiculing you. And everyone tells you every reason why you can't live out the calling that God has put on your life. 
And you may be at this point feeling helpless, maybe even feeling hopeless. And I'm here to tell you that the son of the king. Matter of fact, one of the most beautiful pictures that I've ever seen is a picture of Jesus Christ holding up somebody that's got the hammer and got the nails. The very reason why he hung on that cross. And just picture that's you in that picture. And that Jesus is behind you and, and he's holding you. And these are the words that he's going to speak into your ear. That my calling, based on the very words of the God of heaven and earth, my calling on your life is beyond contestation. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. The question is, are you going to accept the calling that God has put on your life? You see, I made the mistake. Here I was as a 17-year-old, graduated high school as a junior, went off to Bible college. And in the, the first two years of Bible college, I, I went to Bible college with an absolute calling on my life to preach the Word of God. And within two years, I quit. I left. I made excuses just like Moses made. And I did what most young men do when they run from God. They run to the military. And so for 28 years, I served in the United States Air Force. And many times throughout those years, I remembered God's calling on my life. And I told God, well, you know what? I abandoned you back in... 1989. And here's what God said to me. He said, Ronnie, what's in your hand? And so for the last 28 years, Carrie and I have been on the mission field. And God would take us to a different location. See, the military thought they were doing it. But God would take us to another location. And he would take us to a church. And we would serve in that church. And over those 28 years, there's not an area in the church that I haven't served. See, God asked me what was in my hand, and I used what was in my hand. I used the ability to teach a Sunday school class. I used the ability to lead an Awana program. I used the ability to teach college and career. I used the ability to be a youth pastor. I used the ability to be a deacon. I used the ability that God gave me. I took what was in my hand, and I used it. And my question to you is, what is in your hand? Is it the hammer and nail still? Are you still holding on to that? And are you beating yourself up for that? The very thing that God forgave you of? Or are you holding a staff? Are you holding a book? Do you have a job somewhere where God is bringing people into your life and all he wants you to do is share what he's done in your life with them? Are you using the talents? Are you using the gifts that God has brought to you? What's in your hand? What are you using? We flash back to the children of Israel. You'll find out that not only did God call Moses, and not only did God see that Moses made excuses, and and when God uh, Moses made excuses, God made a way. But we see that Moses made a decision. 
And it happened 40 years earlier when he was probably around 38 or 39 years of age. And we, we, we ca- captured this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. And it says this, Moses choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Many of you are struggling with that right now. You're enjoying the sin. You're enjoying the season. You're miserable, but you enjoy it. You keep going back to the trough. And you want to be like Moses in verse 26 where he says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all the treasures in Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. You know, if we're going to live out God's calling on our life, every one of us need to decide today. Now, when I say that word decide, I want you to understand that the word decide and the word desire are very close to each other, but there's two letters that make them different. And those two letters are a significant difference. See, when we say we desire, what we mean is I want. I want to, you fill in the blank, I want to do something great for God. I want to live out a life of the calling of, that He has on me. But the problem is with desire... We always think about tomorrow, or next week, or next month, and the reality is tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow turns into never. But when we decide, if you break down that word, it means to cut off. Many people talk about burning the bridges. Many of you have some bridges you need to burn. Many of you need to cut off a life that you've been living and live out the calling that God has on your life. And the, ma- the truth of the matter is this, that there is never, ever any real decision without action. James 2, 14 and 16 says it this way, What good is it for you to say that you have faith if you have no works that go with it? Where is the evidence? And the problem is many people in the church, they get focused on accumulating spiritual information without experiencing spiritual transformation. And when you experience spiritual transformation, you'll experience a moment of clarity. And, and I think in the scripture, there's a couple of times where men experience this moment of clarity. The first one is in Joshua chapter 1. And, and Joshua is, uh, Moses has now retired. He is dead. And Joshua is about to lead, lead them into the promised land. And he's got some naysayers. And you know what? He remembers 40 years ago that there was 10 people saying no and only two saying yes. And so he gets bold and he stands up in front of the entire nation and he says, I don't know what you're going to choose, whether it's the God on the other side of the River Jordan, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That was a moment of clarity for Joshua. If you go into Acts chapter 4, you see Peter. Peter preaches a message. There's a a young man who is healed. There are 5,000 people who get saved. And the religious leaders of the day, all of the, the heads of the church at that time, were gathered together in Jerusalem, and they arrested Peter. And the next day, they brought him before them, and and they told him, you know, they they said, what are we going to do? The people are going to kill us. And they said, here, I've got this great idea. We'll just tell them we're going to let you off easy. Just quit preaching Christ. And Peter heard those words and he says, I don't know about you. He says, if you think it's wrong for us to heal, for us to preach, for us to preach crucified, whom you crucified, you decide. 
But as for me, we are going to preach Jesus Christ. I asked you to find Philippians chapter 3, and now would be a good time to turn there. The third moment of clarity I want to share with you is the one that Paul experienced. And, and Paul said this in verse 13. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of stuff behind Paul. He killed a lot of Christians. He killed in the name of Jehovah, the Christ followers. You know, that would weigh heavy on your conscience. Many of you today are looking back and you're looking at, you know what God's called you to do. You know what he's given you the ability to do. And yet you've never, ever lived that out in faith. And instead, you've made a lot of bad decisions and you've lived out a testimony that God can restore you from. But you have to make a decision like Paul did and to say, I forget about those things behind. Why? Because God's grace and mercy and forgiveness washes them away. I forget about them and I press on. What am I going to press on to? I'm pressing on to what God has called me to do. I'm pressing on to the reward that God has promised in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you turn over to there in verse 18, it says this. We look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. Back in, many years ago, there was a wonderful song that came out and Twyla Paris sang it. It's called, He Is No Fool. And one of the, the lyrics in this, it says that he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Many Christians give up what they'll never, ever lose to hang on to something that they'll never, ever keep. My dad had one of the best gun collections I've known. But a year ago when I preached at his funeral, he didn't take one of them with him. But you know what? He left a legacy. He left a legacy of a, a young man who had God calling on his life when he was 13. And today is preaching. He left a legacy that all of his kids have called on the name of Jesus Christ. All of the things that he acquired, they stayed here. But the things that you can't see, one day we'll join him again in heaven. Back in Philippians 3 and verses 18 and 19, it says these words. It says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. And now, when you read the Bible and you see that it's written um, in ancient times, they used to read from right to left. Where we read from left to right, they would read from right to left. And so verse 19, I'm going to read to you from right to left, and it says this, that with their minds set on earthly things, the things that are seen, they glory in their shame, and their God is their belly to consume it. And it says the end is destruction. Today's our chance. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. 
To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.